I don't know if you all know this, but I type out my sermon notes, and so I save them. They're on my computer, and I have the files. And it seems that at Christmas time, I keep asking the same question, and that is, why do we sing? Uh, today, we sang more than we normally do. We have Christmas carols, uh, and we sing during the rest of the year, but in this particular time of the year, we have special singing. So why do we sing at Christmas? I think people might answer this in different ways, and I think in the past I have as well, that it is to proclaim the Lord's coming, it is to give praise, it is fellowship because we sing together, it's not solos, we, we all join together, it is prayer, Augustine said, he who sings prays twice, it is because of joy. And this isn't a, a uniquely Christian thing, in all human societies there are songs for almost every occasion. Uh, in some societies, in the past at least, there were work songs, uh, there were war songs, love songs, obviously, lullabies, dirges sung at funerals, songs of mourning, and songs that are sung around the household. I think now everybody has a soundtrack that somebody else has done, a soundtrack for their life. But in the past, people used to sing on all sorts of occasions. But why do we sing at Christmas? I think the most natural answer is to say because it is the birth of Jesus, the birth of a Savior. Um, I think there's great joy that Jesus has come into the world. Um, consider in the past year, here at small church on Melrose, we've had two new additions. Uh, Ransom Daniel and Jacob Archer have joined us. And the Lord willing, baby Nobly will next year. And when the babies come, there is great joy. And so to sing at Christmas because of joy, I think, makes sense. Um, we remember a birth. But let me suggest a different approach to Christmas singing. By looking at singing in the Old Testament, that which comes before the New Testament. The first recorded song in the Bible is found in Exodus chapter 15. It's called the Song of Moses. And by the way, the Song of Moses is mentioned in Revelation chapter 15 as well, that in heaven people sing the Song of Moses, which I think is interesting. The background I think you're familiar with. For more than 400 years, Israel was enslaved. The Israelites were slaves. Um, by the way, 400 years, that's longer than this country has been in existence, just to give you some idea. And God sends Moses, and miraculously, God is able to liberate, to free Israel out of Egypt. Moses and Aaron had gone to Pharaoh saying, set my people free, and when Pharaoh refused, there were a series of plagues, and finally after the tenth plague, Pharaoh let them go. They leave Egypt with great joy, but much to their horror, Pharaoh comes after them with his army. And they are caught between Pharaoh and the Red Sea with mountains on either side, and there seems to be no escape. God miraculously opens up the Red Sea, and they pass through. Then Pharaoh and his army, when they try to follow, are destroyed by the water. It is at this point that we hear the song of Moses. And what do we hear in this song? It is a song of deliverance. There is praise, there is joy, but it boils down to this. The Lord had been victorious on their behalf. The Lord had delivered them, and he would deliver them in the future from their enemies. 
It is in the Lord that his people find strength. And as the song ends, the Lord will reign forever and ever. Let me just read to you uh, the song of Moses. This is Exodus 15, beginning at verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the, his, its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in power and working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you bought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. At the end of his life, Moses taught Israel a song, and this song was to warn them against turning away from God. But in the midst of that song, we hear, in a desert land he found him, that is the Lord found Israel, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him, and he guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on, on its pinions, the Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. It's a song of deliverance. The next song that we have recorded in scripture where people sang is the song of Deborah. This is found in the book of Judges. It takes, it takes place during the time of the Judges. And as we saw when we were in Nehemiah, we see this recurring cycle that occurs over and over again. A relapse, ruin, repentance, restoration, and rest. They had been, in fact, delivered by a, a judge named Ehud. Um, but once he died, the Israelites once again did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan, who read, I'm sorry, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Hagoyim. Because he had 900 iron chariots 
and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She calls for Barak, uh, who is the son of Ahinoam, to lead Israel into battle. And he is unwilling. He will go into battle if she goes with him. And she says, because of this, the victory will not go to you, but it will go to a woman. And so they go into battle, and Sisera uh, and Javan are vanquished. We read that Sisera abandoned his chariot and he fled. And he ran to the tent of someone who was not an Israelite. She was a Kenite. Her name name was Jael. And he said, you need to hide me and I need something to drink. And she said, come in here, you'll be safe. And he goes in there and she puts something over him to hide him. He falls asleep because he's exhausted from the battle. And while he is asleep, she takes a tent peg and drives it through his skull and kills him. Israel wins the victory that day. As a result of that, being a day of victory, we hear a song. It is a song of deliverance. And I won't read the song to you. It's one of the longer ones, but it ends with this. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but may they who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. And then we are told that the land had peace for 40 years. They had rest. In Psalm 18, which is Interestingly, it's one of those psalms that is found elsewhere. It is recorded twice in scripture. And when something's repeated, you need to take note. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, it is sort of the culminating psalm of David after he had been delivered from all his enemies. And that's in the title, by the way, when the Lord had delivered him. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord. He is worthy of praise. And I am saved from my enemies. Again, another song of deliverance. We've just finished our study in the book of Malachi, after which we have four centuries, 400 years of silence. There is no word from the Lord that is heard until Gabriel speaks to Zechariah and then Uh, as Lonnie read to us, spoke to Mary. It is worth noting that in Luke chapter 1, we have two songs, one from Mary and one from Zechariah. In Luke's account, by the way, of the birth of Jesus, songs are everywhere. We have Mary's song, we have Zechariah's song, um, we have the angels who are praising God, uh, we have Simeon's song. And if you look at the end of the Gospel of Luke, it ends with God's people singing and praising God in the temple. Uh, Luke is very much into the singing. I would argue that all the songs we hear in Luke 1 and 2 are songs of deliverance. They are like the song of Moses. They are like the song of Deborah. But we don't hear it that way. We don't think of them that way. And I think we are the poorer for it. Mary was told by Gabriel that she, an unmarried virgin, would become pregnant when the Holy Spirit would come upon her. While she was greatly troubled at these words, and who would not be, she responded, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. The passage goes on to tell us that she went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who at that point was also with child, even though she was advanced in age. Uh, 
um, she was pregnant with a child. The child would be known as John the Baptist. Um, Elizabeth, well, when she hears Mary's voice, the baby jumps, as Tess read to us. And then Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. Mary responds with what we know as Mary's song, or Mary's Magnificat. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their own inmost thoughts. And then hear this. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. I would argue that this is in part a song of deliverance, what God has done for his people, bringing down rulers and raising up his people. Mary returns home. Elizabeth gives birth. You may know the story that Zechariah, who was told by Gabriel when he was offering incense uh, that she would become pregnant, his wife would become pregnant, and Zechariah is like, we're both old. How is this going to happen? And and Gabriel said to him, uh, because of this, you will not be able to speak until this happens. So he was mute from that time until it was the eighth day after John had been baptized. And on the eighth day, they circumcised the child. They named the child. And all the neighbors were saying, well, you've got to call the child Zachariah after his dad. And Mary, or Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. They're like, you don't have any family members named John. So they go to Zachariah. And they're like, what are you going to name the boy? And he writes down on a tablet, his name is John. And then he is able to speak. And he speaks in what we now know as Zechariah's song. It is, I'm convinced, a song of deliverance. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. This is deliverance, to be delivered from the hands of their enemies, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Another song of deliverance. This is the pattern. They are in dire straits and now God is going to rescue them and they sing a song saying, thank you, Lord, because you have delivered us. These two songs happened before Jesus was born, but there is one song that happens after Jesus is born and this is in Luke chapter 2. We read of an incident in which uh, Joseph and Mary travel from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, not that far, and they go to consecrate Jesus. He is the first child uh, he is the one who opens the womb, as the expression goes. And so he is to be consecrated. And we read this beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation, that is the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Deliverance, anybody? My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have promised or prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now at this point you may be wondering, this is Christmas Sunday, why am I making such a big deal about songs of deliverance? Well, consider the song of Moses. The Israelites have been slaves for over 400 years, and then they are miraculously freed. And then there is a, a threat again of Pharaoh and his army, and they are miraculously rescued. The song of Deborah. They had been oppressed by Jabin for over 20 years. And through Deborah and Barak and Jael, they are delivered from their enemies. And the response is a song of deliverance. You see, their situations were dire, and they knew it. And when they were rescued, they recognized, in fact, that they had been delivered. What about the songs in Luke? It's here, I think, that we need to pay attention, because we may fail to see what they so clearly saw. That is, that they and we were in need of a Savior to deliver us. The coming of the Messiah means deliverance. But if you feel no need of deliverance, I'm convinced that the Christmas songs, carols or those found in Luke chapter 1, take on an entirely different life. We see them completely differently. They are there for joy and rejoicing, which I think is appropriate. They are there for celebration. I don't disagree. But if we do not see that we are in need of a Savior, I mean, why did God send Jesus? Why? It is because of our desperate situation, and we read it or you heard it in the promise of forgiveness today, that those who were enslaved to their fear of death, we are enslaved to sin, and it is through Jesus, like Israel, we are delivered out of slavery. And therefore, songs of deliverance are appropriate. And this is what we hear from Mary, and this is what we hear from Zechariah. If we're not careful, even our singing of Christmas carols will fail to take into account the whole matter of deliverance. Like Israel, we were enslaved. We were in need of deliverance. Like the Israelites under Deborah, we were oppressed. And through the Lord Jesus, we are given freedom. Jesus represents that deliverance. And the singing at Christmas should reflect that. In a moment, we're going to sing our final carol, Joy to the World. And I think for most people, and I think I would include myself, the focus is on joy. Um, God has sent his son. We should rejoice. But as we sing, listen to the words, the Lord is come. He has come. Let earth receive her king. 
We were under the, the rule of another. We were oppressed by a tyrant. And now the Lord has come. He has come to deliver us. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Indeed, there is to be joy. God has sent his son. We are to rejoice. But let's remember, his son comes to save us, to deliver us. And the songs that we sing should be songs of deliverance. That's why they sang back then. I think that's why we should sing every Christmas to remember that we have been delivered by the Lord Jesus. What would the world be like if Jesus had not come? What would your life be like if Jesus had not come? We would not be delivered. We would still be enslaved. So at this time of the year, yes, we rejoice. But let's also sing songs of deliverance. Let's pray together. Our Father, this time every year, we remember the birth of your Son. In many ways, this time has been hijacked, it has been commodified, it's consumer driven, and even the songs that we sing I think have lost sight of the deliverance that's been made possible by the Lord Jesus the songs are filled with joy and praise and that's wonderful we should be filled with joy but we should have joy because as Joseph was told he will save his people from their sins they are in their sins we were in our sins And you sent the Lord Jesus to save us, to deliver us, to rescue us. At this time of the year, we should remember that we have been rescued. And when we sing, sing precisely for that reason. Sing with joy. Sing your praises. Because you have delivered us. May your spirit speak to our hearts in a special way. This time of the year that is so familiar almost to the point that we have lost sight of its importance. And may we be filled with joy because you have delivered us. Again, we pray for those that aren't with us. We pray particularly for Robert and his fever, that you would touch him and raise him up, keep him safe where he's staying. Uh, Perhaps not the best place to recuperate, but um, all things are possible with you. And so we ask you to raise him up. Again, we remember Ransom uh, as he continues to heal. We are so thankful that he's doing well. And we thank you for that. As we spend time with our families in the coming days, may they be filled with joy. May it be a wonderful time with family. May we remember that we have been delivered. And it's all been possible because of the Lord Jesus through whom we pray. Amen.